topics readable, relevant, and fun. Each episode, we'll discuss one classic book and share some recommendations for more contemporary reads that feature similar themes. As two nerdy bookworms, we appreciate the role of classic lit, but we won't get too academic about it. We'll talk about the books we love and the books we loathe, and help stock your TBR pile with old and new reads for every literary taste. Today, we are so excited to welcome Courtney Wallace, also known as the Incessant Bookworm, on her blog and her YouTube channel. And she has a really cute Bookstagram account where she shares what she's reading, tips for the reading life, and some really awesome reading challenges. So we're so excited to have you here with us today, Courtney. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. We have been watching your Instagram and blog and just really excited to get you on the podcast because you do so many wonderful reading challenges and you're such a impressive seasonal reader and your fall reads have really leaned into what Novel Pairings has been reading this fall as well. Thank you. Yeah, it's been fun to put together these different challenges. And that's relatively new, too, is the themes um, and doing more seasonal reads. So I'm glad you all like it. Courtney, where are you recording from? Do you have a fall season near you? I am in Cincinnati, Ohio. So yes. (laughs) Today, as we're recording, it's 70 out. So (laughs) not not so much right now. But yeah, I can see there's a park right behind where I live and the colors of the leaves are turning. So it's absolutely beautiful for when I'm reading during the day or as the sun's going down. Oh, that's the best. So (laughs) nice. So one of the reading challenges and seasonal activities that you've had on your blog and on your Instagram that we got really excited about was your September reading challenge that was back to school themed. Back to school is our theme for this fall season. So we saw that we're like, oh my goodness, we have to ask Courtney about the inspiration for that and how that reading challenge is going. So can you tell us a little bit more about your back to school reading challenge? Yeah, so I love school. I'm I've been out of school for a while now, but fortunately I do work at a university and after so many years we're allowed to take classes, usually just one a semester because our tuition is a little bit less or or waived if possible. So once I found that out and I'm able to or I was able to use that resource, I guess, I took advantage of it and the first class I took um, just for fun, like I didn't even need a credit for this. It was just I was very interested in it. It was a film adaptations course. So we got to read uh, short stories, plays, and different books. And then we either watched in the classroom or watched on our own the film or the, the TV series that was connected to it. So that was amazing. And from then on, I just love the aspect of still continuing school as a professional. Like I know there's instances where folks do go back to school, um, whether they're non-traditional students, but I want wanted to get that theme back, especially this year, since school looks a little bit different with quarantine and everything. So how can we still celebrate learning and being a lifelong learner? So in comes this reading challenge where it kind of has different topics or subjects having to do with school. And I went kind of back to like middle grade and elementary school to pull some inspiration from. So some, uh, there were nine topics, which I found out after the 
challenge ended was a little bit too much or too ambitious for a month um, <laughs> for, for a lot of people. I think one person that let me know about the challenge that they were participating in was able to complete it, which is great. I was only able to do four, <laughs> so that that's fine. But some of the topics included the principal's office, which were banned books. Uh, so I thought that was like a really like clever way to focus on those kind of pieces of literature since that also landed in the month of September. So that worked out great. And then there was recess, a book for fun. And then we got into the actual like subjects of class. So English, of course, I had to put an English subject <laughs> in there. Um, that included a classic you've been meaning to read. World history was a historical fiction novel or a time in history that you would want to live in. And some of the feedback that I got from that was that could be probably go either way with fiction or nonfiction. So I liked that feedback that I got from a reader. So I'll probably do that for next year. And then I also had The Sciences, which was a sci-fi or a fantasy book. And then Foreign Languages, that was probably my favorite. And that had to do with translated books. So that one I chose My Brilliant Friends by Elena Ferrante, uh, which was translated from Italian. So it was a blast to put together. I put a video together for it. And this was my first time putting this big of a challenge. It was only a month, but it felt big for me to put something like that together. And I'm hopeful to do it again next year. Some other comments were maybe make it like a semester. So you all had just mentioned that back to school, this is the season for back to school. So maybe I can expand it a little bit more, maybe make like a quote unquote report card, <laughs> I oh, guess. Oh, cute. I'd love that. <laughs> yeah. Um, or like have some printables where the yeah, folks can like write in their grade for that topic or something. So I I don't know. I thought it was really fun and creative to be able to go, quote unquote, back into the classroom um, with some fun reads and make it kind of your own schedule was kind of the the phrase I put through there. Since sometimes there's assignments or reads that we're not too thrilled about when we're in school. Um, <laughs> but, the, but I mean, like sometimes we're pleasantly surprised, which is great. So I tried to put some on there that were challenging for the readers. So one of those was Ditch Day, a book you started but never finished. And that, again, this is up to whoever wants to participate. You don't have to do that kind of a prompt, if especially if you weren't really into the book. But if you did want to give it another try, maybe you'd be surprised if you were able to make it through uh, this time um, in a different stage of life. So trying to give some folks some challenges along the way. That is so cool. I mean, I this is the first year that I am not having a real back to school season. Mm -hmm. And so I totally feel you on that desire of how do I bring in lifelong learning and this continued development and love of learning into the rest of my life. And it really does feel like fall is the best time to start it. I'm so impressed with all of your creative categories. I would never have come up with things like recess and ditch day. <laughs> so fun. Did you have a favorite? I mean, you mentioned that you really loved foreign language. Was there another category that you read for that you really enjoyed? Well, I started, and this is the point, I got a lot of questions of, oh, can we like double dip? And I'm like, sure, like that, that's fine. It's like, make the challenge your own. So the one that I attempted, I wasn't able to finish uh, at the end of the month, but I'm almost done it now, was a combination of Ditch Day and World History. So the historical fiction meets uh, a book I've started but never finished. And it was The Historian by Elizabeth Kostova. And I've picked up that book so many times <laughs> from um, late. 
late high school to mid college and I've been out of school for a decade now. So it's like, all right, I think I, I'm t- it's time to go back to it. And it's the perfect timing too with the fall. And it's about like vampires and like spookiness and everything. So right on the cusp of that time of year. So that, and I was an art history major in school. So in my mind, I'm like, why haven't I finished this yet? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so that I'm about three quarters of the way through. And I, I think I've appreciated it more now than when I had started it the first few times because I was a bit younger and didn't really know what I was doing with my life and didn't have as much appreciation for like history and, and artistry like that. So now I am loving the story and it has different perspectives on it too, which I love when books are able to change by each chapter or every other, uh, every two chapters or so, the different character perspectives. It keeps it fresh. So that was what was getting me into it. But hopefully this month I will finish that. <laughs> I really enjoy that prompt. Yeah, I love it. Well, Chelsea, what would you, what would have been your ditch day book? What's a book you've started and never finished? Goodness. I don't know because once I ditch a book, I kind of move on. I rarely go back to a book that I ditch. Or if I do, I go back to it when I'm in the mood for it. Like if I ditch a book that I know I'm going to like, I don't take too long to come back to it. So then I end up like liking it and then it's fine. Like I just put it on my list of books that I enjoyed. So I'm having a hard time thinking of one. Sarah, do you have one? My mind immediately goes to classics because I think those are the few books that I stop reading but think, well, I should read this eventually. So probably War and Peace is Mm. mine, but (laughs) I'm not going to do it right now. <laughs> no. Courtney, maybe for your 2021 challenge, I'll tackle War and Peace. And I will definitely be double dipping for the history prompt for that one nice. as well. <laughs> Courtney, do you have any other challenges coming up if people want to participate in something moving forward? Yeah. So this month, as we're, we're closing out uh, October, I'm getting into the Anna Green Gables series. So this was another one where I've read the first book so many times and seen the mini series on PBS. I saw the new Netflix series. I know there's some differing opinions on the adaptations, which is <laughs> fine. Like I, I just enjoy Anne in general. So I've been casually reading that series. So, and it's not um, there's eight in the, in that collection, and I'm not trying to finish all eight this month, but I just thought Anne Shirley loves the month of October, and she quotes it so much in her books that I felt the need <laughs> to read it this time. So I am moving through that series. And then November is a little bit different. So I do participate in the National Novel Writing Month. So my reading does slow down a bit for November. So I at This time, I don't have like a theme for it, but I will have some reading that I do. So I have a year-long reading challenge that has been very lightly advertised, I guess. (laughs) It's a a read-around-the-world challenge. So each month, I pick a book set in the U.S. in a different state and then a book set in a different country. So this, for October, I have Romania and Utah are my two for, for this month. And then November, I think, is France. And I can't remember what the state is, but I've I've already pre-selected them and those are all listed on my website. And folks, now that I've talked a little bit more about it, folks have been interested. So I want to continue that again next year. But each month we'll have two books at least, one from the states and one from a different country. So I found that to be very beneficial just to get me outside, especially since we're not 
at least me personally, I'm not able to travel anywhere. So it's been really cool to see different cultures represented, even within the U.S., like different spots that I've never been to, or maybe I have and never knew um, those different things are in existence there. So that's one that I look forward to each month. Yeah, you said Utah, and now I'm like combing through the bookshelves in my mind, trying to think if I've read anything set in Utah, (laughs) and nothing comes immediately to mind. Courtney, I'm curious because I think for some readers, reading challenges can be really exciting. And then I think for some, they can be overwhelming. Some people really like structure in their reading life. Some people don't. I find myself somewhere in the middle. Like I appreciate a challenge, but I often find myself giving up because I'm such a mood <laughs> reader. But I'm I'm here to be convinced. I'm curious to know like what you get out of the reading challenges and how structure really brings something special to your reading life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's a good question. I've I've seen a lot of folks like like you're saying, kind of on one end or the other of how they go about their reading, um, and I go back and forth. But I am very much like a planner in life, <laughs> in general, with everything that I do. So I've already like I talked about the themes for the rest of the the months out of 2020, and I already have my stacks pretty much set. <laughs> for those months but uh when I was talking through the reading or the back to school reading challenge when I had first introduced it to folks I had mentioned these are subject to change that's been my new language or new phrase that I've been mentioning and I do my best to look at what's currently on my shelf and that is it's it's inspiration but it's also like it's been sitting there for so long maybe there's a reason it's been sitting there for so long (laughs) um that that I haven't picked it up yet so I try my best to look at what's on that shelf and that's where I start to figure out okay like I'm grabbing these three for this month and setting them aside and I have some wiggle room because I also listen to audiobooks those are more so the mood reads, like you were mentioning before, um, it also has to deal with what I'm able to get from the library. So I get all my audiobooks through the Libby app. So it's honestly what comes first <laughs> for, for that. So I don't know, like, that's such a tough question. I, I feel whatever gets somebody to read, like that should be their the way that they go about their reading list, or if they just grab something off the shelf or go to the bookstore or the library, then whatever encourages them to read, like, I'm for it. <laughs> like I, I'm a big uh, promoter of that. So I don't know if that answered your question at all. <laughs> yeah, I I think, I mean, I'm also a mood reader, but I sometimes have a hard time articulating what reading mood I'm in. And so I like browsing reading challenges, especially really creative ones like yours. Like I might see Recess, like a book that's just for fun and be like, oh, Mm -hmm. I never would have thought to pick up like just, you know, something Mm -hmm. that just epitomizes fun for me. So I like using, I never put pressure on myself to finish a challenge like you have mentioned, but Mm -hmm. I like using them as inspiration. Yeah. I saw my birthdays in these fall months and I saw the other day a Scorpio challenge. uh, And that one I thought was so creative and I I haven't had a chance to look at the prompts yet, but I'm excited to join that. Like you're saying, like the inspiration for it. I think that's the thing too. Like you're, you mentioned that it's, it's broad enough that you can pick things that you already own or things that you know are coming from the library soon or whatever it may be. So that that's such a good point of what kind of gets your juices going or like what kind of inspires or triggers that, oh, that's that's a good book for that topic or that category. So I like that a lot. 
I also really appreciate that you put up some book lists on your blog for suggestions so that when people see the reading challenge, if they're not exactly sure what they want to read for that category, they know. And of course, we were particularly intrigued by the list for (laughs) English class because we're English teachers. So what were a couple of the books that you had in mind to read for English class? So the one that I chose was Madame Bovary and that I, so (laughs) I feel so embarrassed to say this. Most of my inspiration for like English classics comes from Gilmore Girls um, because you do not have to be embarrassed about that. that (laughs) No embarrassment. Okay. Thank you. Um, I think I'm on round uh, two or three of watching Gilmore Girls, like all seasons all the way through just since quarantine. Oh my gosh, that's so good to hear. (laughs) But yeah, like, so you all know, like, she is an avid reader, and a lot of, I mean, she has a good mix and variety of books that she reads, but Madame Bovary was mentioned in the first episode when Dean comes up to her and, like, introduces himself and says, hey, like, I noticed you, you were reading Madame Bovary, and somebody was throwing a football, somebody got hit in the face, there was blood everywhere, but you were just (laughs) still reading your book, and blah, 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 blah. Um, So I just still remember that that scene in that episode so I was like you know what I'm gonna start with that one and that I I, it was a slow start and I I did finish it which I was really happy with um and it really picked up towards the end but I liked the the thought of just somebody trying to make a name for herself but I wasn't really a fan of she seems a little bit selfish in my mind but I don't want to give too much of like the summary or uh, (laughs) any of that away but it was it was enticing and it kept me going because I was so aggravated with the character. (laughs) It's like, oh my gosh, what are you doing? So that was the one I chose for that. I also put on there, um, I guess these could also double dip too, Anna Karenina by Leo Tolstoy. So I'd seen parts of the adaptation uh, with Kiera Knightley and I, I wasn't able to finish that. I can't remember why, but that one always just seemed like the epitome to me <laughs> of classics. I've been told that it might be challenging for some of the names to remember the different characters for, I guess, a lot of Russian, I'm not familiar, but a lot of Russian names, I guess, sound the same or read the same so that I'm like, oh gosh, I might need to make like a list of the different characters as I go through the book. So there's something to prep for. And then I also put Gone with the Wind by Margaret Mitchell. So that I had seen the film adaptation a few years ago in that one. I get, why do I pick huge books? <laughs> I was say, these are really long. <laughs> these are massive. People spend a whole semester on these. Like, oh my goodness. Um, I think I think that's something I need to mention too. Like some of the time I feel like I rush through books too much. So I want to be able to annotate and really understand the symbols or the relevance to the time period, especially with the classics. Like I feel I, I didn't do a good job with that with Madame Bovary. That was a little bit shorter compared to these other ones that I just mentioned. But that's something I want to work on in the future is kind of slowing down and making sure I'm reflecting on what I'm reading. So maybe that's why I didn't pick those for, for this one. <laughs> <laughs> totally fair. Well, that kind of brings us to a question that we ask all of our guests when when they come on, which is, what is one classic you love and what is one classic you loathe? So, Courtney, do you want to share a beloved classic with us? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this one, I went back and forth because I feel there are ones that I could read over and over again. And like the binding is broken, which is great. Like I love that that feel of a book that, you know, it's well loved and well worn. But there's ones that I just needed to read it once. And like that was it. Like that was enough. And the one I landed on for that love of a classic was and then there were none by agatha christie and this one kind of surprised me that i had initially put this on the list so i had had it in the past been like a murder mystery kind of fan but i read this with my book club this was our second book as a, a club together and i listened to the audiobook of it and fell in love with the story so this and i don't want to give again <laughs> too because if i give too much away then it's a murder mystery you kind of want to figure it out for yourself for this but uh these folks are invited to this island and one by one they start disappearing or, or being shown up dead and it's like how who's the murderer uh what's going on here but agatha christie i read a few more since then that was my first by her and she's just brilliant like i just love her creativity and i i guess there's some people out there that could probably predict what happens i am not one of those people when it comes to murder <laughs> mysteries so i enjoy the spin and the like oh my gosh i didn't see that coming kind of feel and that's how that book left me and then the one i read after that was murder on the orient express so my eldest brother he's a big fan of her work so after i read it i called him and he's like oh just just you wait just just get ready for the rest of her books that she has out. So that one, I would say it's a quick read. It gets your, your blood pumping and just wondering like, what the heck is going on? So I would go with that one. I feel like we planted that answer because that's literally the next book we're covering on novel pairing. So after your episode drops, so listeners, Courtney just sold you. You have time between today and next Tuesday to read, and then there were none, and then join us. Oh my gosh. I swear I d- we did not play. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's funny. <laughs> All right. So maybe this one. Uh, this one might not be a plug <laughs> for a <our> next, <laughs> next novel pairings episode. What is a classic that you loathe? So this, I, I had two, but the, the first one I would say is Ulysses. So this one I did read the whole way through. So Ulysses by James Joyce. And this was for a book club through my library. Um, and this was the first one that I participated in with the library. I will go back, I promise. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, that's, like quite the, that's quite the introduction to <laughs> Yeah, library book club. <laughs> but it, it was great conversation and a lot of us felt the same way so I think that's why like I'm like I, I would love to come back and, and chat other books with them but I, I was just lost and I think this goes back to what I was saying about the other classics is that I we were given almost two months to read it and I, I still struggled it was very challenging and I had a companion book with me that explained a lot of the the like the narratives or the inspiration because it's a modern day oh gosh oh my god it's modern day what odyssey it, what, thank you I was like yeah oh, yeah it's like I didn't I didn't know the odyssey so like that was extremely difficult for me to get that connection about I think there was elements of Christianity or, or uh, Catholicism that I wasn't understanding so I, that could be a me thing it probably is like there I know there's folks that celebrate this book <laughs> and there's a there's a whole holiday for it <laughs> but I just couldn't get there um so that that would probably be the big one I I took a class 
in college exclusively on Ulysses. The class was just about that one book. And I remember having like my huge copy of Ulysses. And then I had a book that was as thick as Ulysses that was just footnotes. And so you'd have to turn the pages at the same time. And then I also had two or three books of like scholarship and one that was basically like I mean, it wasn't spark notes, but it was like whatever highfalutin spark notes the professor (laughs) thought he should assign with Ulysses. It it was like, and I still didn't understand most of it, but I I feel like people just read Ulysses for the accomplishment, like to say Mm. that you've done it. And Mm -hmm. you have. So that is (laughs) badass. (laughs) Yes. Check. (laughs) (laughs) That is an accomplishment. And Sarah, that class sounds miserable. It actually was a great class and I like, but I would never read it in any other circumstance. Like Courtney said, like, it's a fun book to discuss. And my professor had read Ulysses a million times and could, you know, quote it. And it was, so it was fun, but would not recommend reading it in any other setting. (laughs) So that would not be your recess, a book for fun. Definitely not. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, Courtney, we had so much fun learning about these reading challenges. And I'm I'm excited because um, you're a planner and you are going to help us and help our listeners plan some fall reading for this season. So we have some fun fall activities or fall beverages, things to do during the chilly season. A lot of these could work for for winter-ish as well as we move into that season. But um, we have these activities and they are paired with books. So these books are somehow connected to these activities. And you'll, you'll catch on as we share more listeners. But our first one on the list is a brisk leaf crunching walk. So Courtney, I am curious to hear what you have paired with that. So I am a big fan of Downton Abbey and the creator of that show also wrote a book called Belgravia or Belgravia by Julian Fellows. And that I just imagine folks in England just walking to their their local stores, to their their family and friends down the road and just strolling. <laughs> Whatever season, but I fall specifically, <laughs> it would be great. Um, but there it's it is a big family affair kind of story where folks are visiting and trying to learn the story of something that happened many, many years ago. So I I feel like that's a nice, a nice way to enjoy the walk and the the gossip along the way. (laughs) Uh, I also have an English countryside walking (laughs) book. There's something, so I listen to a lot of audiobooks while I walk and I think there's something so nice about when the characters are walking on a journey as you're also walking. So I would recommend Waiting for a Scot Like You by Eva Lee. This is one of my favorite romance books of the year. And the main characters are on a road trip that goes wrong and they end up having to hike everywhere. So there's a lot of walking involved and it it also gets pretty steamy. So just a heads up. Sarah, what would you pair? I would pair both Olive Kittredge and Olive Again by Elizabeth Strout. 
They take place in small town Maine, which as you guys are saying, like the setting and being able to see the leaves falling and and at my feet was a huge reason I picked these books. The covers also look like fall, both of these covers. And I also think that Olive herself is very brisk and harsh, which just gives me that kind of like brisk, crisp, cold feeling of a fall day walk. All right, another fallish activity is just spending a rainy fall day inside. So Courtney, what would you pair with your rainy fall day? So I picked the quintessential, in my mind, the the fall ambiance of the New England states. So I picked Evie Drake Starts Over by Linda Holmes, and this is set in Maine. And so the main character, she lost her husband, and she moved up to Maine, and another gentleman comes by who was a baseball player or is a baseball player. So that kind of was the fall, if <laughs> we're still in the, the baseball fall season, and they make a connection and they kind of live in like a duplex situation so they have some time outside that they're learning from each other but also inside um, and having really meaningful conversations and their relationship starts to develop more and that's when you it's a page turner you want to like get through that that's kind of Mm -hmm. the my book is totally different but (laughs) a similar like you want to finish it in one day so I chose for this leave the world behind by Ruman Alam It's actually, it takes place towards the tail end of the summer in the Hamptons. A family goes out for a vacation. It's cheaper to rent at this time than it would be in the summer. And then literally the apocalypse happens and they don't have cell service. The owners of the rental come back and it just is eerie that forced to stay inside feeling being captive reminded me of being home for a fall day. This book is just, you want to sit down and read it in a single sitting. So that's Leave the World Behind. What did you pick, Chelsea? I was also thinking of like a single sitting read because there's something so satisfying when you can't go anywhere because it's raining and it's the best excuse to just spend like four hours with a book. So I chose a cozy mystery, and this is one that I don't see very many places. I really enjoyed it. It's A Brush with Death by Allie Carter, and the detective is a pet portraitist. She's like an artist that (laughs) does pet portraits, and so she goes to take the, to sketch or paint the portrait of this pet that belongs to a really wealthy family in England and she witnesses a death and she sees some details that other people who aren't artists might might not see so she sees some things that lead her to investigate and it's it's just really fun but also cozy and comforting speaking of cozy and comforting i love this next category a glass of mulled wine a glass of mulled wine of course reminds me of Paris. And so I wanted to pick a book by Claude McKay, who is a Black American poet who lived and wrote in Paris for many years. I actually haven't read any of his novels. They're on my list, but his poetry is fantastic. And Harlem Shadows is the collection I went with, mostly because it has the prettiest cover, but it's also a fairly complete 
collection of his work. And there's just something that sounds very nice about sipping mulled wine and reading a poem. So how about you, Chelsea? I uh, decided to go kind of literal and chose a book with wine in the title. And this is one that I really love. And I also think it just, it goes so well with a drink in hand. It's uh, Gabrielle Union's memoir, We're Going to Need More Wine. And it's a, I think it's a memoir and essays she shares from different parts of her life. And I just think it's, it's an excellent celebrity memoir. So I think that it's well-written and I really like her topics that she discusses. And it truly does feel like you are sitting with a girlfriend over a glass of wine. So I, I really enjoy that one and would encourage more people to pick it up. Courtney, what about you? Yeah, I was thinking the along the same lines of like having a glass of wine with my girlfriends, and that kind of reminded me of While We Were Watching Downton Abbey by Wendy, Wendy Wax. Apparently, there's a Downton Abbey theme for me <laughs> in, in this list, uh, but this is about these three women who all live in this apartment complex, and one of the workers of the hotel or the uh, apartment complex puts together this event once a week for anybody who wants to come to watch the episode of Downton Abbey of whatever season they were on. And these three women meet there and they all have different stories uh, about their family, about their husbands, their kids, and they grow to develop this relationship beyond just coming and watching that episode for that night where there is like wine and cheese and things served. That sounds super cute. I've never heard of Mm -hmm. that book, but I am (laughs) adding it to my list. (laughs) I love that. It sounds a lot more cozy and comforting than our next topic here. (laughs) We have going to a haunted house. So Sarah, what haunted house book do you have for us? We are going to a haunted house in rural Mexico with Mexican Gothic by Silvia Marino Garcia. This book feels like being stuck in a haunted house with a creepy cast of characters, but a fiery, vibrant, wonderful heroine who you just want to succeed. And yeah, I loved this book and it is creepy and there are crazy twists and it's so fun. How about you, Courtney? So this, I picked a book. I don't know if it's it's well known. So my brother picked this up from a local shop in Oregon by like a local author. And it's called Jacoby by William Ritter. So think a YA Sherlock Holmes meets Supernatural kind of feel. So it's told in the female assistant's perspective as she is working with Jacoby, who is the, the detective of supernatural encounters or crimes or deaths that occur. So I found it very fascinating and one that's a definite page turner and very creepy because you don't know what kind of supernatural creatures are out there. Oh, I love how you sold that. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> great. <laughs> Chelsea, what's your haunted house book? I had to go with Lincoln and the Bardo, which isn't exactly about a haunted house, but it is about ghosts. And it is about Abraham Lincoln's son, who he lost at a very young age. And he ends up with all of these ghosts 
in his entombment and Lincoln himself ends up visiting and the ghosts have these really interesting and unique personalities and they comment on the president and they comment on the issues of the day and it's it's really touching so it's a very it's a less creepy haunted house experience so there's still that supernatural ghost kind of element and it's a little a little spooky like it's eerie but it's it's not too scary so I really enjoyed that book I still haven't read that one. It's on my list and my shelf, I think. <laughs> I I always tell people to go with audio and reading if they can or just audio. I listen to it on audio and I preferred it that way. It has a full cast, right? It does. Yeah, it's excellent. Our next one, I'm really looking forward to doing this soon. Someone just needs to come in. Um, I have like a, a stove fireplace. Ooh. but I, I'm renting, so I'm not like comfortable doing all of that myself. Someone's supposed to come and like clean it out so that I can use it. So I'm waiting to sit in front of the fireplace <laughs> and I'm really excited. And Courtney, I'm curious to hear what you would pair with sitting in front of the fireplace. So I, I picked something with a fiery name <laughs> in the title to help me with the here. Uh, so I chose Inferno by Dan Brown. And this is, if you're familiar with his series with Robert Langdon, this follows uh, that art historian as he tries to solve this um, like mystery, I guess, through uh, Dante's Inferno kind of symbolism going on, or that's what it's inspired by. And I just love the Robert Langdon series because, again, I, I was an art history major, but this kind of blends the ideas of art and science, um, which I thought was very fascinating with the Dante's Inferno itself. So very, that's a long book to read in front of the fireplace, but I would definitely try it. I don't have a fireplace, so I'll just be sitting in front of, you know, my Netflix fireplace (laughs) or YouTube fireplace. Um, But I think a great book to read in front of the fire would be The Thirteenth Tale by Diane Setterfield. This is a gothic mystery. It's about a woman who has written a book of stories called Thirteen Tales, but there are only 12 in the book, hence the literary mystery, and a journalist who goes to interview her. But it goes back into the writer's life and there are creepy twins a gothic manor there is a fire at some point it's just a fantastic page turner I was hesitant to pick this one up I don't know why I think maybe the cover looks a little cheesy (laughs) but I did not regret reading this I couldn't put it down I went a little bit literal too, Courtney, with the title here, but also I just think that this this is a really good one-sitting read, and it just feels fiery. Like, you read it, and you feel really stirred up and passionate, so the book, or rather it's more of an essay that I would pair with sitting in front of the fireplace is The Fire Next Time by James Baldwin, and it reads like a sermon, and that's intentional. And James Baldwin is such an incredible writer. And I, this is, this is something I wish that I could make everyone read. (laughs) And I, I just highly recommend it. It's super short. It's like a hundred pages. So everyone go read The Fire next time. 
in front of the fire. <laughs> My mom just read it and she keeps talking to me about it and it's so cute. Oh, I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> All right. Another comforting, cozy category being in the kitchen and cooking soup or chili or something warm and hearty. Courtney, what are you pairing with this fall activity? Yeah, so I went with a, a like a feel-good, cozier read for this one. So I picked A Taste of Sage by Yafa S. Santos. And this is about a Dominican-American chef who her business um, for her restaurant had to close because it wasn't doing so well. So she got a job as a sous chef working in a French restaurant. So how does that, her kind of cuisine blends with the the main chef there that does mainly French cuisine. So it's a kind of kind of tug and pull. Uh, push and pull of whose recipes or how can we blend these different recipes together and make an enjoyable experience and how can they work together that sounds great Mm -hmm. Chelsea you have another book set in a kitchen yeah we've recommended this on the podcast before (laughs) and I don't think anyone's going to be surprised that we mention Elizabeth Acevedo again because we're huge fangirls but I had to recommend With the Fire on High by Elizabeth Acevedo because it involves cooking and the magic of making a recipe that you know is going to make other people feel good and it's incredible it's um, prose. She often writes novels in verse. This one is prose, but it still has her poetic style and it's great to listen to on audiobooks. So I definitely think that if you are chopping stuff and standing around in the kitchen, having it on audio while you cook would be excellent. I love it so much. It's so good. And, and I am recommending for this category the book that we paired with the fire on high with and plugging an earlier episode like water for chocolate by laura esquivel this book is just so it's such a good modern classic it's set almost entirely in the kitchen we read it over the summer and it is definitely a classic that can feel like a summer read because there's some romance and magical realism but the book is told in monthly installments. So there's a whole, you know, quarter of the book that's set in the fall with Tita cooking chilies and hot chocolates. And I just, I think everyone would enjoy being in the kitchen with her for a little bit this fall. I love it. Our next category is very back to school-ish here. So we have studying at the library. Sarah has said before she loves study carols. So I don't know if that made it on a podcast or if we cut that, but I remember you saying it when we were recording one day. So that made me think of a recent read, Transcendent Kingdom by uh, Jesse, because the main character, Gifty, is a student. She is a scientist. And goodness, I don't think I can re- recommend this book enough. It's so, so good. And of course, it's it's about science and it's about what she's studying, but it's about so much more than that. So Transcendent Kingdom by Yaa Jesse is my studying, studying book. What about you, Courtney? So I chose October Sky by Homer Hickam, and this is a true story. So it was about a bunch of boys um, in high school in West Virginia during the coal mining 
days or a big uh, coal mining town and the main character Homer is looking for something bigger or something outside because if you don't get out of town by a football scholarship you're working in the mine and he wants to do something else so he sees um, Sputnik fly over at night um, as one of the rockets are satellites and gets inspired to go into rocketry and rocketry design. So he has to teach himself basically math and science and go to the library and take out all these books and meet up with a a classmate who he wasn't really friends with before, who's really smart and kind of work together to create rockets to get a science scholarship to go to school somewhere else. That sounds great. Is there a movie version of October Sky? Okay. Mm -hmm. I think I've seen the movie. Yep, with Jake Gyllenhaal. Yep. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, well, my book is Courtney's current read, and it might be um, when I mentioned study carols to you, Chelsea. Oh, maybe. <laughs> hint, hint. People can look forward to that. <laughs> it is The Historian by Elizabeth Costova, which, as Courtney mentioned, is about Dracula. It's about a scholar who is studying the real legend of Dracula, the historical figure of Vlad the Impaler, and how this person became known as Dracula, and whether there might actually be something supernatural here. It's been a while since I've read this, so Courtney, correct me if I'm wrong, but I I think the book starts where when the main protagonist, the scholar, finds a book on his study carol that he didn't check out. That is and, correct. Okay, great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And that, I mean, there maybe aren't many people who feel the same way, but to me, if a book starts like that, I'm going to be in it. I'm going to be along for the ride. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Leaving the library, heading out into the wilderness. Our next activity is spending some time at a cabin in the woods. And my pick is not cozy in a cabin-y sort of way. But it does have great camping scenes that really develop the characters. And it's How Much of These Hills is Gold by C. Pam Zhang. And this is a historical fiction novel about two kids who are Chinese-American in the 1800s California gold rush. And both of their parents die very early in the novel, and they kind of have to make it on their own. And that involves a lot of time camping in the woods. This book is so good. And it also requires a slow read, which I think makes it feel appropriately paced for fall. The language is great. I just, I loved the way Zhang describes the natural setting. So that's my pick for this one. How about you, Courtney? So also not a necessarily cozy (laughs) read so this one's more of like a psychological thriller it's called the good girl by mary kubica and this is about a uh, well-off young lady who is kidnapped but the kidnapper instead of delivering her to like this house or to where she needs to be taken to by the abductor he kind of goes off plan goes off book and takes her to this cabin and kind of has a what am I doing with my life kind of thought and until he figures out what to do next they're kind of trapped in this cabin together or he won't let her leave and you kind of alternate between the present or like after the whole cabin adventure or not adventure (laughs) kidnapping (laughs) 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 kidnapping Um, kind of afterward, 
words and then kind of I like how it goes through time uh so like past present and future-ish in different perspectives so I listened to it on audiobook and I fast forwarded it because I was getting so into it uh because it is a, a page turner or something you want to read through quickly but it's a uh, it's quite the thriller indeed and a lot of twists and turns in there oh man I picked kind of a thriller-ish book too. I don't, it's pretty heart pounding, but maybe not as much as that one. I I read The River by Peter Heller while I was staying in a cabin in the woods. So that it's just forever tied to that memory for me. But it's also just a really good wilderness camping kind of read. So two college friends are on a canoe trip and they're like these two really athletic young guys And they witness something that completely disrupts their trip and throws them off course. And it's, it's really, really good. The, the nature descriptions are awesome. So I really enjoyed that mystery. Let's get cozy again. Yes. (laughs) Yes, please. (laughs) (laughs) Courtney, what would you pair with a baking day? this I kind of went the not so typical grandmother approach so um, when I think of like a grandmother I think of somebody who's baking cookies with her grandkids and like has a, a tray of cookies out for them so this is an elderly lady is up to no good by Helene Turston and this is about an older woman she doesn't have a family or a spouse or anything but she gets into lots of trouble and uh, kind of is like very or maybe too smart or for her own good, I guess I would say, um, and kind of commits different crimes. She, <laughs> so she's like in her 80s, I believe, in this story, and it kind of chronicles her life of going after what she wants, and it doesn't matter if she commits a crime or puts somebody in jail to get there. So it's very interesting and a very uh, comedic read, I would say. That sounds hilarious. <laughs> okay, my book for this category is The City Baker's Guide to Country Living by Louise Miller. It is about a fancy pastry chef. I think she's a pastry chef. She's a chef. She's a pastry chef because it's called The City Baker's Guide. <laughs> and she, we have do- talked about too many books. Sorry. <laughs> I just, I loved the journey of that sentence. <laughs> Thank you. She moves to the country because she needs some time away from her fast-paced world. It's like a Hallmark movie, of course. There's like there's some a romance element. I you guys will appreciate this. I bought this book because there's just a little blurb on the front that says this book is Gilmore Girls in book version and I mean, I think that was maybe too much hype for me, but it was super cozy. Loved the small town. This one maybe has more of a wintry feel, but still that like cozy time in the kitchen is all there. How about you, Chelsea? I just chose a book that I listened to while I was baking bread the other day, and I really, really loved it. And it was so charming, and I think that it would make a great baking companion. I listened to the audiobook version. I think audiobooks plus baking are so great. So I listened to Boyfriend Material by Alexis Hall, and I had seen some great reviews of this one, and it did not disappoint. It was excellent. It is a rom-com about, and it's British, so bonus points for British accents and baking. (laughs) And it's about this this guy, he is 
the son of a rock star. So he's got a little bit of fame and the tabloids really like him, but he works for a nonprofit and they don't like the reputation that he has in the tabloids. So they're like, uh, you need to be in a relationship to brush up your reputation. And he's like, but I don't have a boyfriend. Like, is it the problem? Is that the problem that I'm gay? And they're like, the problem isn't that you're gay. The problem is that you need a boyfriend. So he's like, okay, (laughs) fine. So he asks his friends if they know anyone to set him up with. And a friend sets him up with the guy that is just like the complete and total opposite of him. And so it's a really cute opposites attract story. Their relationship is so endearing and their character growth is just incredible this one was more closed door so um if that's more your romance style this one i would highly recommend picking up it was just such a good sweet read and i loved the loved the british setting that sounds so fun i think i have that on libro fm so i'll need to download it and i think you'll really like it i would definitely recommend it to anyone who liked red white and royal blue awesome All right. Well, in addition to leaf crackling walks and baking days and mold cider, we are also going to be voting this fall. So do you all have a book you would pair with voting? So you had mentioned Red, Right, and Royal Blue, and I was thinking along the same lines um, by by Casey McQuiston as that is a love story between Brit- British Prince Royal and the son of the female president of the U.S., and it is during the election time for her to be reelected. So that, I thought, was a nice, fun love story that also brought in a little bit of the politics. But then I also thought about Rodham by Curtis Sittenfeld. And that is the fictional take of if Hillary Clinton didn't marry Bill Clinton and what her journey would look like and how she would uh, continue with politics if that were the case. And I found that fascinating. And I don't know, I love when stories are able to kind of flip it a little bit more and use our imagination of what could be. I love that. Great recommendations. Courtney stole both of mine, but I. Sorry. <laughs> but that's okay. I'm going to also throw out American Wife by Curtis Sittenfeld, which is my favorite of her books. It's actually a loose retelling of Laura Bush's life. And she changes the names in this one. It's quite different in structure than, than Rodham, but I thought it, that was really interesting just the lives of political spouses and how they may or may not agree with their uh, partner's politics and what they do to get where they want to be. And I, I thought that was great. Also, Good and Mad by Rebecca Traster, which is a nonfiction book about the way women's anger has shaped politics over the course of American history, primarily. So um, and and how it's good to get mad sometimes. I thought that was a really empowering one. Chelsea, you've got a fun one for us. I do. I am really loving this book. I actually just started it yesterday, so I'm only about an hour into the audiobook. But I have to recommend The Voting Booth by Brandy Colbert. It is so good. It's a YA story, and the main characters just turned 18. And so we have Marva, and she is very classic, like, good girl, 
super academic, wants to do everything the right way and be a, an overachiever. And she's so excited to vote for the first time because she really believes that voting is the way you change the world. And so she goes to the polls and after she casts her vote and she's all excited, she hears sort of this like disagreement at the entrance area and she comes upon Duke who also just turned 18 and is trying to vote, but he is not on the registration list. So she comes up and she's like, excuse me, what is going on here? And she gets all bossy. And they kind of figure out that he might not be registered for that polling place. So she really takes it upon herself to make sure that he votes. But they have different personalities and they're kind of thrown together in this situation. And what follows is the adventure that they have together as they go and vote and a story about them understanding each other. They have different life backgrounds and they really learn a lot about each other and sort of um, reveal more pieces of themselves as the story goes on. So it's just, it's really cute so far. I love it. That sounds so good. I might listen to that on election day. As like a tonic. A little pep talk. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) All right. Well, Courtney, this has been so fun. Before we go, are there any other fall reading essentials that you want to share with our listeners? Yeah. So I recently came across, and I can't believe I'm just now learning about these ASMR channels on YouTube. And there are so many out there that are fall themed. So one of my favorites is like, we were talking about the crackling fire, Sarah, that you would put on <laughs> yeah. your Netflix channel. <laughs> like they, they have a bunch like that. Um, but there's some other ones in old, like Victorian towns where like you hear like the cobblestone horses going through with their carriages and then like the leaves blowing across the street. So those are just so soothing. So I always put those on when I'm reading, I light a candle, a nice fall themed candle and just have a great evening so I'll probably do that tonight actually Mm -hmm. that sounds like a good plan I think I think we're all probably going to have pretty similar Friday nights (laughs) (laughs) and Courtney before we go I would love for listeners to be able to connect with you and to find your reading challenges so where are the best places for people to find your bookish content Yeah, so I'm all over social media with the name Incessant Bookworm. So the newest edition is my YouTube channel. So that I'm I'm just starting out with, but I've uh, shared a few of my reading challenges on there. But I'm mainly on Instagram and then my blog, IncessantBookworm.com. Thank you so much for coming on and talking with us today and offering all of these fall pairings. I think that um, listeners are going to be really excited to, to check out your book lists after this episode. Yeah, this was so much fun. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. For more book enthusiasm, for more book lists and classics talk, of course, you can follow us on Instagram at Novel Pairings Pod. You can also go over there today to check out some links and we'll share all of Courtney's information over on our Instagram page. You can share our podcast with a bookish friend by posting to social media or sending them a text message. And of course, we always appreciate when people write a review on Apple Podcasts for us. Thank you to Michelle Timmons for her assistance. 
and to Miles Eichner and Mark Anderson for our theme music. And of course, thank you again to Courtney for joining us today. We'll be back next week with an episode on And Then There Were None by Agatha Christie. Until then, we declare after all, there is no enjoyment like reading. How much sooner one tires of anything than of a book.